0: Good morning everyone. Welcome to First Word. Today we're going to start part two of our series on guardrails. But before we do that, could we just all stand this morning? I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but I feel the presence of the Lord. And I don't think I know that God is getting ready to do something in this house today. This morning, there was a word that went forth about creating an altar, and that was set before you ever got here, and there was a shift in the spirit that took place. The presence of the Lord sat down here, and there was a shift, and I have been feeling in my spirit ever since then that God is going to do something in this house today. So before we get into this could we just ask could we just open ourselves up and say God whatever you want to do here I am. Lord I love you. I thank you God for your presence that is here. I thank you Lord for your glory that is set down in this house. Lord oh I love you Jesus. God I thank you for your presence. I'm asking God that you would prepare our hearts and our minds. Lord, I'm asking God that the words that I speak this morning, they wouldn't be a lesson or they wouldn't be my words. But God, I'm asking that you would speak to our hearts. God, this is about you. It's not about us. And I'm asking, Lord, that your glory would sit down and that you would speak to our hearts, I ask. In the name of Jesus and in that mighty, precious, lovely name, we all said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Guardrails. A guardrail is a system which is designed to keep a vehicle from straying into a dangerous area that is off limits. Last week we talked about this, and we said that you'll often find guardrails at bridges. It's where places uh, come to where, where, where roads come together, where there's very little room for a margin of error. When you go to cross a bridge, there's going to be guardrails to keep you on the road. We said that you would find them at medians. And this is where you have people that are passing, that are coming from opposite directions. And that guardrail serves to keep you in your lane. It serves to keep you safe. And finally, we talked about how that guardrails are in curves. And that's for when we experience unexpected changes or conditions. We have a guardrail that keeps us on on track and keeps us on the road. And just like you run into that on a uh, physical level when you're driving in your car, you need spiritual guardrails. A guardrail is not located in the most dangerous place. That place is just beyond where the guardrail is set. The danger zone is on the other side of the guardrail. And I've got to have guardrails in place in my life that stop me from crossing over and getting myself into a dangerous spot spiritually. A guardrail, ladies and gentlemen, is your margin for error. It functions as a warning signal. If you have a proper guardrail in place, it may cause some damage, but it prevents the greater damage. Let me give you an example. If you have a proper guardrail in place, you may feel convicted. You may feel the the, the sting of your conscience, but I would rather feel the sting of my conscience when I hit my guardrail than I would experienced the disaster of sin that's on the other side because I did not have a guardrail in place. And so what we're attempting to do uh, in the next few weeks is give us some tools where we step back and take a hard look at our life and we say, you know, there's some things that I need to put in place. There's some guardrails that I need to build in my own life that prevent me from, from winding up, falling, and in, 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 in destruction. The goal, ladies and gentlemen, is is not that we live for God up here one week and down here the next week because we've fallen and we've messed up. The goal is to get to where we're consistent. And when you have proper guardrails in place, it aids you and allows you to stay consistent. Show me a person that's all over the place, and I'll show you somebody who probably does not have guardrails set up in their life. When you hit a physical guardrail, what happens? You stop. It hurts. But you stop. That's what your spiritual guardrail should do. It should cause you to stop. That's what we're trying to do here. Because, see, we're all humanity. We're all flesh. We all have the tendency to fall if we're not careful. So we've got to put some things in place to keep us from there. A a guardrail that I'm talking about today in your spiritual walk is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. To put that in layman's terms, it simply means that breaking your rule bothers you and brings you some guilt. Anybody ever heard the term, they have no conscience? They have no conscience. They can seemingly do things and it does not affect them. You can place some things spiritually in your life that when you see yourself going there, long before it's ever said from a pulpit, you start to, you start to feel I need, I, I need to back up from this. I'm straying. I don't have to have pastor tell me I'm straying, I, I can see I'm getting close to my guardrails that I've set up. In Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 through 17, it says, "See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding that the will of the, what, what the will of the Lord is. That phrase, redeeming time, the word literally there means be intentional about how you live. Have a plan. How do I live intentional? You have a prayer life. You have personal devotion. What does that do? That starts preparing my heart and my mind. I would suggest first thing in the morning. Because a guardrail doesn't do you any good if you put it in place after the trip's been made. I'm setting some things. I'm preparing me so that when I start to run into something during the day, there's a check in my spirit and there's something that says, hey, wait, you need to avoid this. You need to step back from this. You need to be careful here. I've got to have stuff, I've got to be intentional with how I live. I'm going to live for God. I've got to be intentional about it. I've got to make sure that I'm setting myself up to walk for God and not be a yo-yo bouncing here and there. Ladies and gentlemen, you probably already know in your heart what God is prompting you to do. Most of us, I dare say all of us, you know what your weakness is better than anybody else. You know what your triggers are. You know if I'm in this environment and if I take too much time here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's going to lead me to taking this step. And, and, and if I stay here, I'm going to fall. And when I'm talking about falling, I'm talking about a whole plethora of things because all of us are affected by different things. It could be, it, it could be you struggle with lust. If you do, your guardrail balance is in my life. If I find that I'm, if I'm in a spot that I'm uncomfortable, my guardrail, when my warning signs go off, I'm going to have somebody in my life that I trust that I can call and say, hey, I need you to talk with me for a little bit till I get past this part, but you know, It could be something as simple, and I'm focusing on lust right here. If you struggle, let's say you struggle with that. You walk into a place, uh, say you go into a gas station. There's something there that you don't need to see. You don't need to be a part of. How about you call somebody and say, hey, I need you to talk with me for just a few minutes so so that I can pay for my gas and get out of here. Well, that's stupid. No, it's not. That's a guardrail. That's you putting something in place that checks you. Maybe maybe, I have, maybe my struggle is gossip and, and, and speaking everything that I hear. And, and I know that if I get in a certain environment and I get around certain people, I'm not going to be able to control my tongue. So my guardrail is this. I withdraw myself from that situation and I make sure I'm not there because I want my heart to be pure and I want my mind to be pure and I want my spirit to be right. Talking about implementing some things and being intentional with your life. Let's be honest. We all have a tendency to get as close to the line as we possibly can without crossing it. That's human nature. That's human nature. If you've been in ministry at any length in time, you're going to hear this question asked Is it a sin to do and you fill in the blank? What that person is literally asking is, how close can I get to the line without crossing the line? I want to know, can I be here and be okay? My guardrail should start back over here. So before I even get to the edge, I'm already getting checked up in my spirit. I'm starting to cross some things. I'm starting to bump up against some things. And my conscience just starts saying, you don't need to be here you 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 need to get out of here you need to move this is not this is not where you need this is not a good environment for you you need to move ladies and gentlemen we shouldn't ask is it right or is it wrong question is is it a wise thing to do if I take the attitude of, is, is it right or is it wrong, I'm going to get as close to that line as I possibly can. But if I take the, the, the mindset of, is this going to be a wise move for me? When you take that approach, Brother Scott, there's going to be some things I'm not going to have scripture for. But I know in, inside of me, it's probably not wise for me to be in this spot. This is not a wise move for my family. This is not a wise move for me. You see, there's three kinds of standards that we live by, or we should live by. Number one are biblical standards. That's what thus saith the word of the Lord. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. There are certain things that are spelled out black and white. That's the word of God. That's my biblical standard that I live my life by. But then there are also church standards. And as I told you last week, when God got ready to put His glory down on Mount Sinai, He told Moses, He said, set a boundary. And if they cross it, I'll kill them. Now, this isn't very popular in our culture, but I'm going to say it anyways. You need a pastor in your life. You need a pastor in your life that can speak into your life. He's not just somebody that you shake hands with on Sunday and on Wednesday. You need a pastor that can stop you and say, hey, I felt this in my spirit. I think you need to be careful about this move or that move. And it's not, well, I can't believe he said that to me. But it's, you know what? I'm going to heed the word of the Lord. I'm going to veer off on this for just a moment. You will never be blessed in your life until you are submitted to the man of God that not you have placed, but that God has placed in your life. You need a man of God that can see things because he's, he's, he's working in a realm that you're not aware of. He's feeling things spiritually that you're not aware of. He's, he's, God sometimes reveals and opens doors for him to see things that you don't. And so I promise you, he would like to, to do a million other things than to come tell you, hey, man, I really feel like God has got a word for you. Or you come to him and you say, well, tell me, how close can I get to the line? I really want to know, is this right or in this wrong? So, so really, can I live... Well, so it's right here is wrong. Can, can, can I live right here? And he goes, I don't think that's a wise move for you. Mimi's two today. And we've hit a phase in life where when things do not go her way, and Dad says, "You're not going to do that." And. That's her nature. I promise you, I didn't put that in her. I'm trying to work that out of her, sometimes by fear and trembling. I don't beat my two year old, okay? But I do believe in whippings in my house. And the other day, Mimi did something and we got on to her and she just, she fell on her face and she stuck her rear end up on the, in the air and she went, Wah! and I walked by and I said, boom. And she just laid out. I didn't teach her that but she's learning there are things i want to do i have a will i have a nature and there are things that i want to do and i'm like you know what you can't do that but there comes the time ladies and gentlemen when we get of age and we still want to do things because she's dealing you know what she's dealing with at two years old she's dealing with flesh that wants what it wants And ladies and gentlemen, we are still struggling with flesh and what it wants. The only difference is, is we don't have a lot of things that rein us in and pull us back in. So when I tell you, you need a pastor in your life, you need a voice in your life that can speak and say, Hey, wait, why don't you do this and put some guardrails in your life and set some things. And there's some things that we're not going to condone and we're not going to accept because I see the danger in it. I promise you, if you'll put a pastor in your life, submit to him. Even when you don't understand him, submit to him. I promise you, you'll be blessed. You cannot help but be blessed. That's for another day. I'm back on topic now. Now you've got to have your own personal standards. Those are your guardrails. My guardrails need to be in place before it ever gets to pastor and before it ever gets to this right here. I know what's right and wrong, but we're asking the question, is it wise? There are some things in my home that I'm not letting in because I don't feel that it's wise. Brother Scott may not see that it's, there's anything wrong with it. It may be okay in his house, and that's fine. He's the priest of his home. I'm the priest of my home. So I'm going to put some things. He fights different stuff than I fight. His family, he's in tune with his family. I'm in tune with my family. There are going to be things that I put in place in my home and in my family that he may not, but that's okay. Because I'm setting some stuff in order so that my family doesn't crash and run into the ditch. My guardrail is going to be here. Pastor, before you ever have to call it, my family's lined up and we're going to have a boundary that says, you know what? I'm not going to rely and and adopt the mindset, well, this is what my pastor says or this is what my church says. No, 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 no. This is what we've decided to do because it's a wise decision for our home. So... With that being said, we're going to enter into the second part of this, and I'm going to hurry. When it comes to your friends, they're kind of like the medians coming and going. You better have some guardrails up. You see, there's a unique thing that happens when you find a friend. The thing that makes friendships so great is also the things that make them so dangerous. We're repelled by human nature by rejection. We don't like to be rejected. And we're attracted to acceptance. We don't like rejection. We want to be accepted. So, you've got to be careful what you accept and allow to come in and have fellowship with you because it's going to create a bond. The people that you accept are going to influence you. Acceptance, ladies and gentlemen, always leads to influence. Proverbs 13 and 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. That's a promise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's a warning. In case you're wondering, there's both a promise and a warning in that. If you, if you walk with wise men, you're going to be wise. But if you hang out with fools, you're going to be foolish. You're going to be destroyed. Wise people are careful about obeying God's laws. Foolish people are careless about obeying God's laws. Wise people understand that all of life is connected. There are no isolated incidents. You ever looked at somebody's life and you said, there was a decision that was made here. And the reason their life has taken this path And they've wound up here is because of the decision that was made back over here. Who you connect with, who you fellowship with, who you allow to speak in your life, who you spend your time with, who you dwell with, who you commune with. If you're running with wise people, they're going to have a plan. They're going to have their steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord when you attempt to walk in the wisdom and knowledge of God and you surround yourself with people like that, your steps are going to be ordered. Things will fall into place. But when you walk and you dwell with foolish people, you ever seen people that just, I mean, life is just, there's no order to it. It's just boom, 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 It's boom, just all over the place. I promise you it's probably because that person attempts and the people that they surround themselves with have no structure. Iron sharpens iron. Well, if you don't have anything that sharpens you, then you're setting yourself up to fight an enemy without a sharp blade, and it never works. I've got to be careful who I allow in. I've got to be careful who speaks in my life. And you don't need somebody in your life that tells you everything you want to hear. You need friends that can look at you and say, hey, I disagree with you on this. You're being a moron in this area of your life. I think you need to stop hanging out with this this, this person before you mess your life up. What are you thinking? You need to wake up. You don't need somebody that tells you how great you are and how wonderful you are and accepts everything that you tell them them and they they reciprocate it back because all of a sudden you get to... Hey, man, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I've got this thing figured out. No, you need somebody in your life. A good friend that's a guardrail. A good friend that's not going to... Run and take everything you say and and broadcast it everywhere. But when you're struggling, you can call them and say, hey, I'm in a bad situation right here. And I need you to stay with me here and talk, talk with me until I get out of this environment or pray with me. I need you to understand I'm struggling today. And they can turn, can speak to you and say, hey, you need to do this. And even if it's not something I want to hear, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to listen to what you say because I know this. I've got to be an overcomer. And if I keep doing it my way, I'm going to wreck my life. I want to run with wise people. Wisdom's contagious. If you run with people that are wise and that are walking under the fear and admonition of the Lord, you're setting yourself up to gain wisdom, knowledge, and have a blessed life. A wise friend A wise man, they're concerned about their life. They're concerned about their marriage. They're concerned about their finances. They're concerned about their reputation. A foolish person is not concerned of any of those things. You need somebody that's going to handle you with the same light that they handle themselves. They're concerned about the same things that you're concerned about. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 says this And it came to pass after this that, Saul, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought uh, hard for him to do anything because of her. Let me put my glasses on where I can read. Notice this, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Amnon is the firstborn of King David's sons. He's heir to the throne of Israel. He has a blessed life, But Amnon has a problem. Amnon's dealing with some lusts and some things that's inside of him. And while he looks the part, and while he looks like he's got it put together, and while it looks and appears that for all intents and purposes, Amnon has got it going on. He still shows up with mom and dad to the temple. He still offers the sacrifice. He goes through the motions, but... On the inside of this man, there's a struggle. And Amnon had a friend. And this friend was subtle. Amnon, in a moment of transparency, tells his friend... Of his lustful struggle. And instead of his friend rebuking him. Instead of his friend trying his best to, 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 to pull him back. He tells him what he wants to hear. He gives him a plan. Of how to execute this heinous sin. Amnon will rape Tamar. He'll bring shame on himself, on his family, on a nation because he listens to the advice of Jonadab. I want you to notice something. Was his mind in the gutter? Yes. Was he struggling with sexual perversion and lust? Yes. He was on the edge. He hadn't stepped over. He was at a place where he really needed a guardrail. And instead of Jonadab telling him, Hey, man, you need to, you need to come back this way. You need, you, 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 we need to, we need to set some safeguards in your life. You need to, you need to, you need to be accountable to me. You need to, you need to go talk with, 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 with with spiritual leadership. We got to get some, we got to make some wise, bold moves here. Jonadab, because he's a evil person, he's a subtle person. I hate that word. I'm going off the cuff here, but if I'm not mistaken, that's the same word that was used about the serpent in the garden, wasn't it? He was more subtle than all the beasts. You don't need somebody that's going to be a conniver or sneaky. Number one, if you're going to have somebody in your circle and they want to go around and they want to avert leadership and there's no accountability and they like to work in the shadows, you don't need them in your circle. That's good right there. You do not need to surround yourself with people that are going to try to sneak and snirk around behind the shadows of life. You need somebody that will boldly stand and say, you know what? This is wrong and you need to stay away from it. Surround yourself with people that are not going to tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Instead, Jonadab gives him the blueprint to drive off into the middle of chaos and harm. And after committing this great shame and sin, he didn't just mess his life up. What about the young lady? What about Tamar? The scars and the pain that she carried because of his sinful actions. What about Absalom, who was so filled with hate from that one wound that it would poison him to his whole family? And he would kill Amnon because of what he did to his sister Tamar. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you drive this thing off into the oblivion, It affects not just you, but it affects everybody else. You need people in your life. Oh, and by the way, when Absalom kills Amnon, it'll be Jonadab that'll run back to the palace to tell David exactly what happened. The man who masterminded it all couldn't wait to take all the juicy deets to David. You need to set some guardrails around your friends. I have have a few people in my life who can tell me what I don't want to hear. And I may not like it, but I'm going to listen to them. That's my best friend right there. And there are times when she tells me my attitude stinks and I'm a moron. Yes. And you know what? I need to hear that from time to time. Your spouse should be your best friend. If anybody is going to have your best interest at heart, let me just jump out here and say this. It should be your spouse. And if you are at odds and that relationship is not what it needs to be, then you need to hear me. You need to start taking some steps to work on that relationship because I promise you, when you go through life with both of you together watching for one another, life is going to be so much sweeter. I called a friend here a while back. I was mad about something. I don't even remember what it was. And I was, I, was, I was telling him what I thought. And he didn't say nothing. And Brother Austin, it was going good. Until I said, well, what do you think? He said, I think... What you're doing is horrible. He used a term I'm not going to use right here, but it meant the same thing. He didn't cuss, but I mean, you know, just etiquette-wise, okay? He said, what is your problem? I said, I don't have a problem. He said, yeah, you do. He said, you have the power within you By changing your attitude to fix the situation. But you're angry. I wanted to say, you know what? Um, I'll talk to you later. I've got things to do. (laughs) Bye. Jerk. I heeded his advice. Because I have people in my life. I'm not perfect. But I can put a microscope on me better than I can you. I have people in my life that have free access to speak. Pastor, you have free reign in my life. Whatever you want to do with this church, wherever you want to go, I'm submitted to you. I want you to know that. I follow you because I can't be blessed. My family can't be blessed unless we're behind you. And I'm reiterating that because he wasn't here when I said it the first time. I got ready to date my wife. Went to my bishop. You weren't here then. And I said, actually, he said, here's the name. You can do with it what you will. All he would have had to have done is said, I don't think that's a wise move. I don't think you need to do this. I don't think this would be advantageous to you. You don't have to say anymore. I'm done. I'm out. Well, you're just a brown noser. You're just trying to be a goody two shoes. No, I'm trying to be blessed. I want my home blessed. I want my life blessed. And I'm going to surround myself with people that put me in check and keep me walking in the way of the wise. Because I promise you, I'm just as carnal as you. I can get just as focused in my agenda and my attitude as you can. I'm no better than anybody else, and guess what? You're no better than me. You can fall into that same trap, and you must have people in your life that are your friends who serve as guardrails. I gotta hurry. Here's some warning signs. That you're not walking in a wise path. Are these people good for me? Well, when it it dawns on you that the core group that you have aren't moving in the direction you want your life to move, you're too close to the edge. When you catch yourself pretending to be someone you're not when you're around your friends... You're too close to the edge. You need to cut some relationships off. You need to find some, 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 some different friends, and you need to set some guardrails. When you feel pressure to compromise or fall to something you're tempted with because of your friends? You're too close to the edge, and you need to back up, and you need to rethink where you're at. And when you hear yourself saying, I can go, but I won't participate, then you're hanging around people that are putting you in close proximity to sin, and you're too close, my friend, to the edge. Well, you know, she's just somebody I work with. It's just no big deal. You know, It's I can go hang out at this, at this work lunch, and, and I'll be okay. I'm strong. No, you're not. No, you're not. Put guardrails in your life. Put things in place. Put things, put guardrails in your home. Have people that can check you. Men, you're visual. In, in this, this is something I'm going to pull, and I've got to hurry. It says that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Amnon was in the first part of that. He was in lust. He was being tempted. He was being drawn away. But lust manifested itself into sin because he had a friend that wouldn't tell him no. And sin worked into death. Men, you are are visual beings. That says every man is drawn away of his own lust. It gets pretty plain what you're fighting. You're fighting lust. Put your spin on it. You see something, and you want it, and it turns to lust. I don't care if that's a woman. I don't care if that's money. I don't care if that's power. It falls under the category of lust. Men, you need to set some parameters. As much as you want to live holy and have a standard, you also need to have a covenant with your eyes. I'm going to say this, and I've got to hurry to a close. Women, you're, you're geared different. You're thinkers. So how does that manifest in all of us? Men struggle that, you know, looking. You better watch what you allow to come in here. Ladies, hear me. What you allow to come in here. Because you can build a scenario in your mind. Men, as much as you need to watch what you look at, women, you need to watch what you read. Because what you allow in here can create a scenario, and all of a sudden, home doesn't look too appealing, and life doesn't look too appealing, and my husband doesn't look too appealing because I've got an idea in my mind of what it should look like and what it should be. And you need to have people in your life that can check you. What are you doing? you got a great home, great life, great family. Don't do this. Don't be a moron. Wake up, stupid. You need those people. Next next week, stand with me. We're going to enter into part three of guardrails. Brother Sean is going to be teaching that, and I am looking so forward to hearing Brother Sean teach next week. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your your presence that is here. I'm asking God that it would resonate with our hearts, that you would touch us. And God, that you would accomplish today, I know what I felt in my spirit this morning. God, we've set the altar. We've laid the sacrifice, and now I'm asking God in this service that you would send the rain. In the name of Jesus, everybody sitting.